Bit of breaking news here uh, that we're keeping an eye on out of South Carolina. Uh, the Daily Mail had this, and now it's it's in multiple places. Uh, South Carolina State University, which is in uh, Orangeburg, South Carolina, is reportedly on lockdown uh, and nearby Claflin University after reports of shots fired. Uh, according to ABC 15, Claflin's alert system issued a message about a possible shooting. Suspect still on the scene, reportedly, and wearing all black, uh, excuse me, all black and a ski mask. Ooh, Open good. fire on campus, apparently. Right. Well, yeah, we'll so. definitely keep an eye on that for, for further developments and whatever's going on there. Certainly hope everybody stays safe. Uh, also, just keep an eye on Michigan to see uh, Jennifer Crumbly. Uh, if there's yet to be a verdict today, who knows how long this is going to take at this point. But she's the one, uh, the first time we have had the parent of a school shooter go on trial in connection to that shooting. That jury started deliberating yesterday, so we're waiting to hear about that. An hour from now is when the NTSB is set to release their report into the Alaska Airlines flight on January 5th, where the they always say plug, it's a door. But the, the plug came out mid-flight. So we'll see what that has to say coming up at 1 o'clock. Matt Fleener from Channel 9 will join us. He's done a couple of stories in the last couple of days about a story we've talked about here about the problem with mail delivery, as a lot of you have complained uh, that you are experiencing that as well. He's been reporting on that, so we'll talk to him about that coming up after 1 o'clock. Okay, the NBA is doing something for the first time. Yeah, playing on glass. This is uh, w what they're doing, and this is just for the All-Star game, at least so far, and they have used this in games at other levels. This is just the first time that the NBA is going to be doing this. So on the floor, you'll have the, the wooden floor underneath, and then you'll have glass up on top of it. And if you're wondering, why would you do that? Well, because it allows you to turn that glass into a screen. What, almost like a TV screen. And what they're going to be using it for, especially during things like the slam dunk competition, is, you know, all of a sudden there's a big slam dunk and the crowd goes wild and the entire floor starts, you know, turning different colors and you get fireworks mm -hmm. displays and things like that going on on this screen that these guys are stepping on. You know what I'm wondering? I know more than a few people who hate watching basketball because they can't stand this constant squeaking of the sneakers uh, okay. on the wood. What's uh, that going to sound like when you're when your sneakers are on glass? I don't know enough about the physics of, <laughs> of running shoes to know if they have track. I don't assume there's a lot of traction on wood, but it can't be any better on glass. No. Yeah. So if anything, you would think it would be even louder when now we won't know because uh, I you know I have never seen a game where they've used this, even though they said the FIBA, the governing body, has approved this a long time ago that uh, the NBA hasn't adopted it yet. So we've never seen it at that level, but if they decide to, to do an entire game and I guess they're going to be with, with the all-star mm -hmm. game um, and it's successful and you don't have to worry. Like the other place that my mind goes is you better be sure that you have some really fantastic tempered glass because <laughs> uh -huh. remember when they when the slam dunk first became the way of things and you started getting broken backboards where the yeah. the backboard yeah. uh, you know behind the uh, behind the hoop would smash well what mm -hmm. are you going to do if some guy slam dunks and then by coming down so hard on the glass on the floor he shatters that Nikolai Jokic is six foot eleven, two hundred eighty five pounds. There you Could go. You imagine that coming down <laughs> full force on top of that glass. Right, and you've got LED, 
or LCD probably, uh, or OLED or something like that in the middle. So you've got actually two panes of glass with with whatever the electric stuff is in the middle of it. Yeah, this could get weird fast. How is this not going to be terribly distracting for players? (laughs) That's another thing. I think that during, like, it it remains to be seen, I guess, but during the game, like when Mm -hmm. play is actually going on, it probably won't do anything. But but when there's a big basket or a three-pointer or something like that, then it gives you the ability to go ahead and put something cool on the floor. I'll stick with wood's fine. Sorry, here's my dumb question about a glass floor. What does it, what color is it? What are players seeing when you're not using it for the cool graphics? My conception of it is that you're just seeing the floor underneath it. That you see the hardwood that you would normally see on a basketball floor. So from a TV perspective, it wouldn't look any different until you put color in it. Okay. So then my other question is glare for players and what the glare off that glass is going to be from the lights in the room for the players to see what they're doing. Yeah. Well, and, and even the hardwood, it's very highly... You know, it's got lacquer finish and it's very highly shined, but glass is going to be more so. So maybe they can, um, you know, give it like a pebble finish or something like that. Mm -hmm. That, And that would add with traction as well. That would help. Um, But yeah, I think that's going to be the one thing that players are going to have to figure out is does it feel the same Mm -hmm. when you're playing on it as wood does? (laughs) And if this works, look out. Yeah, because... Because well, now you're hockey. I mean, anything with ice, you're going to have then you could put it underneath. And you're also talking about sponsorship opportunities. I mean, oh, yeah, they do that in the NHL now, kind of. But nobody in the arena sees it. Like if you're mm-hmm. watching a game on TV, you'll see stuff pop up on the ice that isn't really there. It looks like it is. It looks like it's painted on the ice, but it's just an effect from the TV camera. Um, so they, they kind of already have that. But if you could do that so that not only would it show up on TV, but everybody in the arena would see this game brought to you by, you know, Ford, then sure. It gives them more opportunity to sell more stuff. Some players will wear a Kinexon tracking device that will allow them to interact with the court. They can be highlighted <laughs> the same way user controlled players are highlighted in NBA 2K. Okay. Okay, so is it going to be the kind of thing like they said the technology allows for obstacles on the court that move when the tracked players touch them? So Here's they, what I picture is like flames shooting out of your shoes right. on the glass yes. as you're running around the court. Yeah, it's kind of reminiscent, again, going back to the hockey analogy of when Fox, boy, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, tried the, the flaming puck so mm-hmm. that it would be easier to follow. Yeah, and, yeah. And people hated it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if, if they start doing things like that, yeah, you could have – you know, cartoon characters pop up on the floor that, you know, would try to get the ball away from them or whatever that, yeah, you can have all kinds of fun with it. But I think during a, just a regular season NBA game, you're not going to see a lot of that. Some of you are saying you will watch now because of this and you wouldn't before. That's what they are counting on. Yep. So enjoy. Uh, the CEO of McDonald's has been hearing the complaints and we've talked about them too, about the menu prices in, was it the Egg McMuffin that we talked about? $7. That was $7 and, and something? Yes, it was like seven forty nine or seven sixty nine. dollars uh, Now that was, if you missed the story, that was at a rest area on a toll road interstate in Connecticut. So it's already a high dollar area. And they've got you captive because it's one of those, you know, the, the places that you stop in the middle, like the one between here and Topeka. 
Um, so you can't really get off the interstate at that point. And that was those are always going to be higher than the average, but still seven dollars plus for one egg McMuffin seemed exorbitant. The one that I didn't even know about that they bring up in this article, and they don't say exactly where it is. Oh, oh, Darien, Connecticut. $17.59 for one Big Mac combo meal. That's a Big Mac fries and a Coke. $17.59. And uh, that same location had a quarter pounder with cheese and bacon meal that came with fries and a soda for $19. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so McDonald's is becoming too expensive for a lot of people. And they're, they just had um, results come out from the latest quarter. They're down. I mean, they're still up a little bit, but they're not up as much as they have been in the past. Right. And they have learned that low-income customers making under 45000 a year aren't going, can't afford McDonald's anymore. The other thing that they, they recognize that they're dealing with, and the story is the CEO came out and said, we're going to cut prices. There's going to be what they're calling a return to affordability. <laughs> now, they didn't say what that is, you know, yeah. or what they're going to cut or how much they're going to cut. And all of that is to come. But it it's more of a signal of, yes, we have heard you. Yes, we know you're getting sick of the prices being as high as they are at McDonald's. And yes, we're going to do something about it. So, <clears throat> so again, it remains to be seen what they're going to do. But um, if I think what they're recognizing is as they approach that $20 per meal oh my God. area, yeah. that now they're competing with DoorDash. Yeah. Because you can get a meal from a restaurant, you know, not a fast food joint, but a sit down restaurant, DoorDashed to you for 25 bucks. Go to so, Applebee's. Right, right. And and why would you, in that case, choose to go out, go through the drive-thru at a McDonald's to get your food, rather than just have somebody bring it to you and it's better food? 913-586-7798. Um, we have a story elsewhere about uh, the worst fast food chains, which is not necessarily where I want to go. But are there restaurants that used to be considered cheap or affordable that you now feel like are out of control, that you feel like you have been priced out of. Yeah, you want to talk about my lunch yesterday? <laughs> Again, right off the interstate and stopped at Taco Bell. Got three tacos, nine bucks. Remember when tacos used to be 99 cents? Yes, I do. It wasn't that long <laughs> ago, was it? I hadn't been it? there in a while, and uh, yeah, I was I was pretty shocked. Now, they were the Doritos Locos Tacos or whatever, and I got three of them. I only ate and was able to eat two, so kind of dumb me. But... Um, yeah, it, 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 when he said it was nine dollars and change, now that's with tax included, by the way. Mm-hmm. But still, that I'm paying three bucks per for these things. Wow. Yeah, well, places like that used to be five bucks for for lunch. Yes. You know? Where do you feel like now you're not? If if McDonald's is no longer affordable, I don't know what the what the bottom of that is. Then. Right. Yeah. Who's who's still got a decent value menu? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that that is one place where Taco Bell. They, uh, the last I was through there, they did. They had a you know more than a few things that were on the one, two, and three dollar menu. Um, but I just didn't pay any attention, and that's not what I got. It's just I wanted a taco. I'm hungry. I want a taco. So right. uh, yeah, I don't know who else is is really a good discount fast food chain anymore. Nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. We'll get to your comments on this next here on KMBZ. Bunch of these are coming in the text line here. Uh, the CEO of McDonald's says, okay, we hear you. 18, 19 bucks for a Big Mac meal or a quarter pounder meal is a lot. We're going to quote, return to affordability. We are now at the point 
where some people cannot afford McDonald's. Or it's just not, um, it used to just kind of be the thing that everybody could go grab and you didn't have to think about it. Yeah. It is no longer that way. Right. Yeah. And we have, uh, you know, I, I've, I always talk up the app for, for whomever. Yeah. And, you know, you whether, have it's, taught me that. whether it's McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, whatever, use the app because you will pay less, significantly less. And one of the, the more common ones uh, to put on there is they'll give you, uh, for example, I think it's on the app today. It's a free large order of fries with a purchase of $5 or more or something uh-huh. close to that. And when it rings up, it shows you what that item is and then just shows it crossed out. Like it'll show you what it cost or what it should have cost you. And then it'll cross it out and put zeros underneath it. You know, a large fries at McDonald's is north of four bucks. Oh, my gosh. Just for a large order of fries. $4. What what did that potato cost McDonald's? I have to interrupt you for a second. Um, The verdict is in for Jennifer Crumbly. Oh, wow. uh, The mother of the Oxford High School school shooter. Um, I know we're taking calls and stuff here, but... We knew this was a possibility today. Uh, so, Colin, we're going to turn on CNN and check in with ABC News and see. Um, I just know CBS News just tweeted about it that uh, the verdict is in. I don't know what's on TV. I don't know what audio we've got. But um, uh, CNN, unfortunately, right. Well, I shouldn't say unfortunately. He is the president. But uh, they have the president on speaking about something else. But they Colin, did. I'm going to. Sorry. I'll send you a link, Colin. This is as we have the staff meeting on the air a little bit here. This is the link to where CBS would have theirs live um i don't even know do they have cameras in the courtroom in michigan i i you know that's a great question i think so because there have been some video feeds some clips of video that have come out of the courtroom because apparently uh i don't know that it was earlier today i would have to check and see when it was but the lawyer for mrs crumbly uh, apparently uh put up the double middle fingers to somebody out there in the uh Yeah, uh, somebody out there in the gallery. So that was caught on camera. Okay. Um, All right. So we're going to kind of tap dance our way around this here for a second because it's just now in. And they, yeah, they have not, they've not read the verdict yet. They have found out that it's in, but uh, yeah, what CNN has up on their crawl is any moment now. (laughs) So yes, we're, we're still waiting. Okay. So for, let's recap this case now for a second. And I, we knew that the possibility of this, that we were now going to have to go and talk about this in the middle of something else. Uh, welcome to live radio. So this was the case of the Oxford High School shooter. Was it four people that he shot dead, I believe? Yes. Because that's why she is charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter. This is the case where we knew there were a lot of text messages going back and forth. We, she knew that her son, or should have known, that her son was not fit, shouldn't have had a gun. And the case is about her making those guns accessible to him. And one of the biggest points that uh, the, the the whole case kind of hinged on was the fact that she was there. Uh, the mother was there for a conference earlier in the day. And there was argument, and I, I'm trying to remember who was on which side of the argument now. There was argument about whether to take him out of school or keep him in. And... Uh, uh, I believe the way it shook out, and if I'm wrong about this, my my apologies, but uh, we, we'll check the details here in a minute, that the school wanted him out that day. Uh, yes. Not out permanently, but just that he shouldn't be there that day because there had been some kind of a disciplinary issue and she didn't want to take him out. I think that's how that whole thing shook out. And then later on, you mentioned the text messages where she apparently heard that something was going on and texted him, don't do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, her husband, James, is scheduled for trial for March. 
He also is charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter. They are accused of purchasing the gun for their son and for not getting him the necessary help for his mental health needs. Again, you knew your son needed the mental health help. Not only did you not get that for him, but you bought him a gun. Two things, neither one of those things should have happened. And then they both happened. Uh, and then he used it, this was uh, back in 2021, to kill four students there. And this will determine, and, and again, it's significant because it's the first time we've had a case like this, where a parent has gone on trial to determine if a parent bears responsibility for their child's um, violence like this. Yeah, and it's I, the, the only real comparison that you could make, even though it's a wide swath. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of ground in between the two, but uh, it, it brings to mind Manson because mm -hmm. Manson was sentenced to death for first degree murder for the Tate and LaBianca murders, even though he wasn't there and didn't kill anybody. So it was because of his influence. And in this case, they're kind of making the opposite case that because of her lack of action, that Ethan Crumbly was dangerous, that she knew, like you said before, that he shouldn't have a gun and she was okay with him having one anyway. Uh, there was a search of his backpack at one point for a gun. So clearly the school was aware that there was something bad going on with him. And they, that's why she's on trial right now, is that uh, they're making the case that she had the opportunity to act and stop this and did not. So the verdict is expected to be read shortly. I didn't know if they were going to pick a time, but expected to be read shortly. So we'll take a break. Uh, we'll go through uh, while we're waiting for the verdict. We now know the details on what kind of questions jury asked while they were deliberating. So we'll get into some of that coming up next here on KMBZ. 60 years in prison is the sentence that Jennifer Crumbly faces if she is in fact found guilty of four counts of involuntary manslaughter in connection to her son's school shooting in 2021 in Michigan. Uh, verdict is in. We don't know which way it's going yet. Uh, we, we also, a lot of times in a case like this, they will announce the verdict will be read at whatever time. All they're saying is we'll hear it soon. We'll hear it soon. And what the TV cameras are all doing at the moment is they're focused on the door where the jury will enter the room before the, uh, before the verdict is read. So the jury's not even seated at this point. It, it may be a minute or two, or it could be a half an hour. We don't know, but they're, they're waiting and they're getting signals that it should be fairly soon. Now to go back to what we were talking about before. Uh, the door is opening right now, and it looks like they're bringing the jurors okay. in. So we'll go th through this very quickly. It was the school that wanted Ethan Crumbly taken out that day and given immediate mental health care because of disturbing drawings and disturbing writings that had been found on him. They did not search the backpack because there was no probable cause. That backpack is where the gun and the ammo were, and they handed okay. it back to him. Okay. Um, and John, just kind of give me a... Jennifer Crumbly is now... Uh, she has come into the room. She's okay. standing near the defense table. Uh, I think the jury is going to follow her in, uh, if okay. I'm not mistaken. So they're, again, they're not seated yet, but they should be there within the next couple of minutes. She's applying chapstick, kind of an odd choice, but sure. Okay. Uh, so the jury had started deliberating this yesterday morning, and over the course of that deliberation, they asked uh, two questions of the judge separately. Uh, on the first question came after they were deliberating after just two hours. This is out of CNN. They wanted clarification on instructions, asking if there are different ways to convict Crumbly. The judge decided to tell them yes, 
and referred the jury to reread part of her instructions, which says the prosecutor asserts two different theories to support the charges of involuntary manslaughter. The first is that she committed involuntary manslaughter because she failed to perform a legal duty. The second is because she was grossly negligent. Uh, the second question came an hour later. They asked if they can infer anything from evidence or witnesses that the prosecution did not bring, specifically not bring in the shooter or other people who could answer how specifically Ethan Crumbly got the gun. Dude, uh, does it say what the answer to that is? That's a fascinating question. The judge brought the jury in to tell them they can only consider the evidence that was brought in at trial. Which is 100%. Yes. Yep. Um, both of our you know, time watching Law & Order has, has yeah. paid off in that. Yes. Uh, yeah. You cannot, even if you know something that somebody said, mm -hmm. it doesn't make any difference. If it wasn't brought as evidence at trial, it doesn't come in. So again, she is facing four counts of involuntary manslaughter. So is James Crumbly, the dad. 60 years in prison is what she could get. I assume that's, is that 15 years on each charge? Yes. I would assume. So 60 years total if she's convicted of all four. And what, It also and would that, be interesting if she's convicted of all four or just a couple. Right. And that also could change its sentencing depending on what the judge wants to do because the judge would, would probably have the option to say they can run consecutively, like you said. Right. It was 15 years for each one or that they would run concurrently, that she would pay for all four crimes in 15 years. Yeah, and there was a lot that we learned in the last few days about the affair that Jennifer Crumbly had and just some of the other stuff that was going on and some of those text messages that were going back and forth. The closing arguments, you know, were really powerful here. Um, the assistant DA said in the opening statements, Jennifer Crumbly did not pull the trigger that day, but she is responsible for those deaths because that's how he got the gun. And the, the comment that she made, the comment that Jennifer Crumbly made under direct examination was, I wish he would have killed us instead, meaning her and her husband. Too bad. I, got, I can't stand that. Mm -hmm. That's, you know what? I you, you, counter, <laughs> Counterfactual. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter what you would rather have had happen. Right. It doesn't. Um, it's right? sort of like... Yeah, don't punish <laughs> her because she already lost a son. It's right. like that argument. Exactly. All right, I think we're going to go... The judge is, yeah, is giving instructions right now on how the verdict is going to be read. Let's go ahead and join that. Your Honor, Kelly People versus Jennifer Crumbly, case number 222 279 9904 FH. Good afternoon, Karen McDonald, on behalf of the people. Thank you, Marquise, on behalf of the people. Good afternoon, I'm Shannon Smith, on behalf of Jennifer Crumbly, who sits to my left. All right, are you ready for the verdict? Yes. These are the lawyers introducing right, themselves to the court. Uh, when the jury reads their verdict, after that, I want everybody to be seated. Okay. Jennifer Crumbly's lawyer just asked the judge if Jennifer should stand while the verdict is read or if she could remain seated, and she was told by the judge, it's up to you. I know it's kind of hard to hear what's happening right now. It sounded like the, the lawyer was advising Jennifer Crumbly to stand. She did. Okay. Jury are now filing into the courtroom. 
That is correct. I am. Could you please read your verdict? Individually? Sure. Okay. Um, on count one of involuntary manslaughter as to Madison Baldwin, we find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. On count two of involuntary manslaughter in regards to Tate Muir, we find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. On count three, as to involuntary manslaughter regarding Hannah, Hannah St. Juliana, we find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. And in count four of involuntary manslaughter against Justin Schilling, we find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. Thank you for allowing me to be seated. And I'm going to Jury seat number one, was that and is that your verdict? It is. Jury seat number two, was that and is that your verdict? Yes. Jury seat number three, was that and is that your verdict? Yes. Jury seat number five, was that and is that your verdict? Yes. Jury seat number six, was that and is that your verdict? Yes. Jury seat number seven, was that and is that your verdict? Yes. Jury seat number eight, was that and is that your verdict? Yes. Jury seat number 11, was that and is that your verdict? Yes. Jury seat number 12, was that and is that your verdict? Yes. Jury seat number 13, was that and is that your verdict? Yes. Jury seat number 14, was that and is that your verdict? Yes. Jury seat number 16, was that and is that your verdict? Yes. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. We all know that this is one of the hardest things you've ever done. I'm going to ask you to return uh, to the uh, jury room. Uh, your, uh, the two remaining alternates are also going to join you, and I'll be with you in a few minutes. Thank you. Thank you. All right, the jury. The jurors are now stepping out of the box, going back to the jury room, where the judge will meet with them in a few minutes. Okay, um, so we will keep our ear on this. If you missed it, uh, that was quick. Jennifer Crumbly found guilty of all four counts of involuntary manslaughter in connection to the four people that her son, Ethan Crumbly, killed uh, in 2021 at Oxford High School in Michigan. I, I, I can't get the, my jaw off the floor. I'm not at all surprised that this is guilty, but this is monumental. History this is making. The first time, absolutely. We don't have enough words for this. It's the first time we've had a parent of a school shooter convicted in connection to that school shooting being allowed to happen. Let me just do a little play-by-play here of what's going on. There's not very much being said right now. Uh, the judge just asked everyone in the courtroom, everyone in the gallery, to remain seated while the defendant, who is now the convict, is taken out, which she is, and she is in chains. Uh, she's now being led out of the courtroom by, uh, I can't tell if they're deputies or bailiffs, could be both, but she's now leaving the courtroom, the door is closing, and she's in custody now uh awaiting sentencing um john did the verdict have to be unanimous yes you know in a murder case absolutely okay yes. it has to be 12 know. out of 12 okay and it was um i i figured but i didn't know in michigan if it had to be and the reason yeah usually what will happen as a verdict is read like that the four person as you heard the one that you could hear really really well she was the one that read the verdict uh and went through all four counts in the involuntary manslaughter for this person guilty this person guilty and then the defense 
they don't have to, but it's almost derogare. It's almost by rote that they will mm-hmm. they will request that the court officer pull the jurors. And we heard all of that happen as well. They went right down the line. Juror number one did you. Juror number two did you. Um, that's more of a formality than anything, but it does also solidify. I mean, there's an advantage there for the prosecutors as well, so that they can't say, okay, well, this is now an appellate issue because you didn't pull the jurors, and we think one of them might have been a not guilty who didn't want to say so. What I thought was interesting about this, and this might just be um, a formality, but I assume the instructions were it's either guilty on all four counts combined or not guilty on all four, that they counted all four of those students the same. Yes, and it doesn't have to be. Um, I mean, they could have found her guilty on two of the charges and not guilty on, on two of the other charges. It would be very strange, especially in a situation like this, to have a split verdict like that. Right. Why would you find her guilty of two of the deaths and not you know, the, two of the other ones? Um, but yeah, they, the jury could have. If the circumstances had been different, um, and, you know, let's say for the sake of argument that, uh, you know, that, that somebody unbeknownst to uh, you know us at the time, that somebody else had been killed earlier in the day by right. him, by Ethan Crumbly. And then the whole thing happened at the school and then the shootings happened at the school. They could have conceivably found her responsible for the four shootings that took place at the school and not for the one that happened earlier in the day. All right. So guilty on all four counts. Uh, If you have comments and phone lines are ringing, we have time that we can take your calls here. Feel free to get in. Let's go ahead and do that and bring in Josh in the Northland. Hello, Josh. Hey, guys. So when the judge, I'm I'm not real educated on this stuff, but when the judge was going through the jurors, you know, 12 jurors, right? Yes. Uh, Juror in seat one, if I heard it correctly, like went from like seat three to seat five and like seat eight to seat 11, like. Are there, like, certain seats that they just, I, I don't, like, were there 12 jurors that were called on? There were, and, yeah, that's that's an interesting point, uh, because I don't remember hearing at any point during the trial that any jurors had been removed. Because sometimes if you have a juror that's removed and replaced with an alternate, they keep the same seat. You know what I mean? So you would have somebody in seat 14, seat 15. Um, but I don't remember hearing that juror number four had been you know, removed for one reason or another. Yeah, I, I, I was pretty sure I heard that. Yeah. No, oh, you're right. Skip like that. I wasn't sure if you guys maybe had some insight on that. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of is that without our knowledge that somebody, and, you know, sometimes that happens because of juror misconduct where they'll mm-hmm. find out somebody was talking to one of the other jurors about the trial when you're really not supposed to do that until deliberations start. Uh, and sometimes it's because a juror has an emergency, you know, has a parent die or something like that, and they need to drop out, and then they'll just fill in one of the alternates. Okay, I got you. Thank you, guys. You got it, Josh. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, do you agree with the verdict? Do you agree in a case like this where if the parent provides the gun, buys the gun for the shooter, that parent should be held legally responsible again? Uh, 60 years is what she could get now, having been found guilty of four counts. Phone lines are ringing. Uh, We'll take a break. We'll get to more of your calls next on KMBZ. Jennifer and James Crumbly are the first parents in the U.S. to be charged in a mass shooting committed by their child. This is back in 2021. Ethan Crumbly was 15 when he shot 10 people at Oxford High School. Four students died. Jennifer Crumbly, the mom, just found guilty of four counts of involuntary manslaughter. Real quick before we get back to the phones, <clears throat> excuse me, on the on the seat numbers and why there were gaps in that. 
Here's the way it works. I was close. Uh, it does have to do with the alternates, but not quite right. So the way that they do it in Michigan, and I wasn't aware of this, is that in a murder trial like this, you seat 17 jurors. Okay. So you're going to have 12 jurors and five alternates. But until the trial's over, and until, well, not not over, but until the uh, the closing arguments are given, the, you don't know which ones are going to be alternates. Okay. So what happens is, Five of them are selected at random to be alternate jurors, and they're sent home. They don't deliberate, but they sequester at home until a verdict is reached. So that if they're if they're needed, then they can still bring in one of the alternate jurors. So they saw everything and paid attention because they didn't think, oh, I'm just an alternate. They're not going to want to hear from me anyway. You don't right. tell them until you get there. So those seats that they skipped were the alternate jurors who were sent home. Okay, got it. 913-586-7798 if you have thoughts here. Let's go to Damon and KCMO next. Hello, Damon. Hey, what's going on, uh, Jamie John? Uh, hey. I'm so glad you cleared that part up for me right there because I was worried about it, wondering about it, but you got me. But I say absolutely she should be, um, you know, charged for this crime because she did purchase the weapon that committed such a heinous, you know, act here and took lives. And I'm kind of hoping that this opens the door up for like any family member, brother, you know, sister, anyone who purchases a gun and knows that the person who they're allowing to get to it uh, is not right and, and, and don't take the necessary actions to stop it. I think it, this won't, you know, eradicate everything, but it will start, you know, where we need to start trying to, people are always talk about gun control, you know, um, um, no guns doesn't kill people. People kill people and their actions, how they do things. So I believe that by putting this into play right here to show people that this could be you, if you allow your child or your loved one to get a hold of something and there are uh, flags that come up and you allow it to happen, you will be held accountable. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear this. I really am. You got yeah. it, Damon. Thank you. Thanks very Thanks, much. Damon. You know, you know what I'm waiting to hear now, Jamie, is when they get the opportunity, the jurors don't have to say anything, but mm -hmm. you'll almost always have one or two that will, yeah. you know, that will comment. And what I want to know is how much, if any, did the fact that both parents fled after the shooting mm -hmm. play into them? Because it, it doesn't make you guilty. You know, running away doesn't necessarily make <laughs> right. you guilty, but it certainly shows that you think you're guilty. Right. Doesn't look good. Right. So yeah. it did that, it, you know, did that influence their decision at all? Did that come into it? Because it was part of the testimony that that was gone over because Jennifer Crumbly was making the case. We didn't flee. We knew that there was going to be a massive media response to all of this, and we didn't want to be home to see it. So we just left, and then they, they eventually turned themselves in. The problem with that is that there was about a four-day period in there where they knew they were being sought and didn't turn themselves in right away. So, eh, you know, you, you can make the case, well, gee, we didn't watch any news, but... I think that's a little hard to believe when your son just did what he did. Yeah. Uh, we'll go to Debbie in Overland Park up next. Hi, Debbie. Hi there. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. What's yep. on your mind? Go ahead, Debbie. Hello? Yes. Yeah, oh, sorry. I listened to the trial, and so I knew what was going on, but all of the jurors were, like you said, they were all there, the 17 people, until the closed, closing arguments were finished. Then at the end of yesterday, 
all five of the alternates were still there all day. But when they found that they weren't going to have a verdict yesterday, the, the judge picked three of the alternates at random and sequestered them at home. Got it. So okay. They didn't, they didn't have to hang out again today. So, again, the ones that were skipped were the alternates uh, that, that were sent home. Right. Okay. Thank yes. you. Thanks, Debbie. Yes. Thanks for the call. Again, the husband goes on trial in March for the same counts. And so we'll see how this influences that. That's also, even with her conviction, is not necessarily a slam dunk because the communications that were taking place after both parents left that meeting early in the morning were all taking place, if I remember the story right, and I'm pretty sure that I do, between Jennifer Crumbly and Ethan Crumbly. That dad Mm -hmm. at that point was no longer involved. However, I saw a version of this that said they bought the gun four days before the shooting. Right, and that may make a difference as well. Certainly, yeah. yeah. If if dad was involved in that purchase, if they figure that's the important part that led to the shooting, then he would very much be on the hook. But again, it's, it's not a foregone conclusion that because she was convicted, he will be. All right, coming up, lots of mail problems with delivery uh, all around the area. Matt Fleener, Channel 9, will join us to talk about it next here on KMBZ.